0: by uh, showing you guys something, that I was cleaning out my house. I was doing a little bit of spring cleaning, cleaning out my closet. My wife and I were trying to find a document for something. You know when you're looking for one thing, and you end up having to clean up a whole room? You know what I mean? Yeah. We had one of those days, and I found something in my house that I want to start with today that I got a kick out of, buried underneath a bunch of stuff. And I found this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. For those of you who don't know, this was the ticket to summer enjoyment growing up. This is a membership card to none other than a blockbuster video. Now, for those of you in the room who are a little bit younger and you've never been inside of a blockbuster, children gather around. Let me tell you about the old world. Back in the day, if you wanted to watch a movie at home, you had to leave home and go get it and bring it back. <laughs> Mind-blowing. Now, when you would go into a blockbuster video, the experience of trying to pick a movie was sometimes awesome and sometimes infuriating. If it was a new movie, you know, they had the sections all around the back of the video store where you could, you, you could be one of lucky 50 people in your community who could go rent a copy of Back to the Future 3 when it came out. Game on. But if it was after that first round, after the movie came out, there was only one copy of everything. That means only one person in your town got to watch Lethal Weapon, and if you didn't get it, you were out of luck and you couldn't watch what you wanted. This was back in the day when the pinnacle of morality and goodness was be kind and see, we all know, right? Yeah. We all know. For those of you who have only learned to watch movies by pressing a button, back in the day, there were no buttons anywhere. We had these little boxes called VHS cassette tapes, and you would put them in a thing called a VCR, VHS and VCR, and you put it in there, and the most horrifying thing that could happen for anybody here who's frustrating with buffering times on Netflix, internet outages, or whatever else, nothing was more horrifying than your VCR player eating your movie, right? <laughs> ah, there was nothing worse in the entire world than that. So this thing here, this membership card for me growing up was the way to summer bliss and enjoyment going multiple times a week. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. I want to talk about memberships today. And I want to talk about other different types of memberships, maybe not old school memberships like this, but ones like this here. Like I'm currently a member of Costco. Anybody Costco members here? Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, true or false, Costco pizza is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if you know, you know, right? Okay, um, Costco, I'm a AAA member. I don't have a gym membership. Many of you probably have gym memberships. We have lots of different types of memberships. Golf club memberships, some of you country club members, some of you lots of different types of members. You probably don't want a membership to McDonald's, but some of you might have that anyway on your phone, <laughs> like I do. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, So there's lots of different types of memberships. Now, people and businesses keep kind of changing around the nomenclature around memberships, because sometimes like, oh, I don't want to say they want to be a member, but I'll subscribe to your business. Same thing, different words. Here's lots of different subscriptions people have today. Now, did you know that during COVID, during the pandemic, during the really tough times of the pandemic, during lockdown, subscriptions, okay, in America, the average American consumer upped their subscriptions uh, by three times, the amount of subscriptions tripled in COVID because we had nothing else to do but to subscribe to things and pay for things and buy things. We have movies and TV, Netflix or HBO or, you know, whatever, Disney Plus. We have people subscribe to food services like HelloFresh. People subscribe to music for your Spotify or an Apple Music person. People subscribe to hygiene companies, Dollar Shave Club. I'm actually a member there. It doesn't look like it, but I am. <laughs> I am. Yeah, now, these are lots of different types of subscriptions, and the biggest, for sure, membership and subscription service that Americans use today is none other than this. You'll know it right away. That's right. This box resembles so much stuff. For people who become members of Amazon Prime, and I'm not here to hate on Amazon. Thank God for Amazon in the middle of COVID, right? Holy cow, can you imagine being locked down and all you had was the Sears catalog and Blockbuster, Right? <laughs> Good grief, super grateful for Amazon, super grateful. So this is how me and my wife, we get diapers to our house. This is how I order my books. Y'all, the past two years, I've done almost all of my Christmas shopping exclusively on Amazon, which I'm not sure if that should be celebrated or frowned upon, but nonetheless, I do that. Now, here's the deal. Our culture has shifted to this in a lot of different ways where we're thinking about memberships and subscriptions, we think I pay for something and I get it and it shows up to my house. I want it faster, I want it cheaper, I want it better. More and more and more. This is just how our culture is these days. But here's the only trick with that. Sometimes that mindset, a consumeristic mindset, more, better, faster, and I want it right on my doorstep, that could seep into how people view church. Where sometimes people... See this as church. I'll explain what I mean as we go along today. So we're in the series called Reassembly Required. See, cardboard and cardboard, that worked out good. I'm going to put this right here. Hopefully I won't need to sit down in the message. So we're in the series called Reassembly Required. And if you're new to church, maybe you're new to coming back to church, it's been a while. Uh, we're glad that you're here because what we're trying to do is having important conversations about what the church is meant to be. We believe that things have happened in our culture across the past couple of years that have required, to, uh, required us to have re-clarifying conversations about what this whole thing called church is meant to be because some things have slipped in our culture, and even in the walls here. So if you're new to church, welcome. We're re-clarifying some questions. If you've been in church, you've been a part of a church for a while, we think that we need to reassemble how we view this thing. In week one, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Dale talked about what is church. About, hey, it's God's idea and God's best way to bring heaven to earth. The following week, we talked about what is church meant to do? We're meant to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. We're supposed to all be transformed into the image of Jesus and go out and change the world. Last week, Pastor Dale talked about how does all this get done? Everyone has a role to play. And today, I want to talk to you how it's supposed to feel when we're doing church the right way. So our passage that we're going to be looking at today um, comes from what's called the letter to the Philippians or the epistle of Philippians. It's written by the apostle Paul. And we're going to look at the very first opening section, chapter one, verses three through 11. So if you have your COH app, go ahead and open that up. You can take sermon notes or follow along or open your Bible, your Bible app, however you do it, or it's going to be on the screen. Follow along with me. It says this here. I thank my God. Every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God could testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Lord, we pray the prayer of the psalmist that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your law. Um, I just spoke a few moments ago about how we believe that this isn't just... I'm an ancient text that has tips for life, but there's something supernatural happening when we read the Bible. I pray for that supernatural power to break out in our church now, and that this wouldn't be a demonstration of wise and persuasive words, but it'd be a demonstration of your Spirit's power in our midst. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, so let's talk about what we just read for a moment. We just read, um, like I said, from the book of Philippians. It was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. He wrote it, what scholars believe, in the year sixty-two A.D. And he wrote this from prison in Rome. It's definitely towards the end of Paul's life. The city of Philippi um, is an ancient city that's in modern-day Greece right now. It was lost to antiquity. Here's a picture. Um, if you went uh, to Greece today and you went to go visit Philippi, this is all that's left of the city. This was a picture of the actual. Um, center of the city and some ruins that have remained. The city was abandoned in, in the 14th century, but you can still go see the setting and the context for this group of Christ followers that Paul was writing to. This was a church that Paul planted himself in that community. You can read about it in Acts chapter 16. Now, it's fascinating when Paul was writing to these people. Um, oftentimes, Paul has different... Um, Purposes in different letters, and communities go through unique things. It's always messy. Uh, but in Philippi, what was interesting, his primary purpose in writing this letter is encouragement. Because you could see clearly through the scholars call this letter the epistle of joy. Could you hear some of that in the language that we just read? I'm grateful for you. I'm filled with joy. May your love abound more and more. It's the epistle of joy. He talks about joy five times when riding to this church isn't that great that they weren't getting a butt whipping but they were they were getting a letter of encouragement from paul about how much he loves them and they fill him with so much joy so you got to ask why did they bring so much joy to this church planter who founded that community what was unique about philippi and the christians in philippi that made paul feel this way What's well, one word in particular? I'm not sure if you saw it or not. We're going to put verse five here up on the screen, and Paul says, "I I thank God every time I pray for you. I always remember you and I'm filled with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now." If you're taking notes or maybe your app or a paper Bible that you have, underlined the word partnership. This is what we're talking about today: partnership. Now, if you've been a part of our church, you've heard us use the nomenclature of partnership before. If you're new, this is the one ways where some churches talk about membership. We talk about partnership. Now, uh, this let me just be clear here. This is not a half-hour-long announcement for partnership class. We're not going to be doing that. We're going to be studying the Bible here today, okay? Now, that being said, we're talking about partnership. It's not necessarily intuitive for why we use that word and what Paul means by that. Uh, Several years ago, I had a friend who was new to faith, and we were eating at, um, I think it was BurgerFi together, and um, he had just given his life to Christ. He was asking me questions about church. He said, hey, so when somebody becomes a partner at church, is that like a financial institution thing, like becoming a partner at a law firm? Like, so if we become a partner, we help own the church. Like, nope, 501c3s don't work that way. It doesn't mean that. It's not that. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I had some friends in my own small group who are dedicated partners of our church call me out and go, that's not clear enough. And we know you talk about that for 20 seconds from the stage every now and then. I don't even really know what we mean by partnership. And I went, challenge accepted. Okay. And then I got assigned this week. I'm like, perfect. This is one of my opportunities for us to talk about biblically. What does this word mean? Why do we care about it in this church? Why does it matter? And why do we think this concept is part of reassembly required when people think about church? All right, I'm going I'm to open up a little bit of Greek here. You ready to put on your learning hats? Okay, great. So the word for this here in the Greek is this word called koinonia. We're going to put it on the screen here. This is what it transliterated. Everyone say that. Koinonia. koinonia. Say it again. Koinonia. koinonia. That was lame. I, I threw you off. One more time and go. There we go. We're all together now. Great. Koinonia. Now, this Greek term here is super important. We're going to be talking about it all the rest of this morning. Koinonia. What does koinonia mean? Now, clearly, obviously, the English translators of the Bible used partnership in verse 5. But did you know that this word, Paul uses it three times in Philippians alone. And each of the three times, it's translated a different way. Because partnership, yes, is the most accurate term for that. But it means a, just a broader thing to help us understand it. So go back to chapter 1, verse 5. So because of your koinonia in the gospel brings Paul joyce so that's partnership. Well, then it shows up in chapter 2, verse 1. Check this out. Paul says here, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any koinonia in the spirit, but it's translated common sharing. If any tenderness and any compassion, he keeps going on from there. Then he goes on, chapter 3, verse 10. Here comes again. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the koinonia in his sufferings. It's translated here as participation. We have partnership common sharing, participation. We're getting a bigger picture of what this word means and what it could mean for us today and why it's important. New Testament scholar, Craig Keener, he's one of my favorite New Testament scholars. His area of expertise is studying the ancient cultural world of the Bible. He's the go-to guy for understanding what the world was like back 2,000 years ago in this part of the world. And Craig Keener says this, koinonia is the sort of harmony created by shared purpose and working together. It's a type of harmony that's created by shared purpose and working together. So in my study of this passage and for preparing for today, it dawned on me that we're not trying to define a noun like what is partnership. I could tell you what it is. There it is there. It's less about what it is and way more about how koinonia feels. This is what we're talking about today. So if I want you to learn one thing from our message today. It's this here. What do we need to do for reassembly required? It's this, that church is meant to feel like a team. That's what koinonia is getting at. Church is meant to feel like a team, and it's meant to feel like a team that wins. This is what it means. Now, this might come as a shock to many people, but I am not the most athletic person in the world. Don't laugh too hard at that. You'll hurt my feelings. (laughs) Um, Growing up, I was terrible at sports. I couldn't have cared less about it. I played soccer for two years. Guys, as a little kid, for two seasons in a row, my soccer team won zero games bad news. We're part of the killer bees, and I was the kid who, um, you ever seen those Publix commercials where kids are playing soccer, but there's the one kid on the other side of the field running in circles all by himself chasing a butterfly? That was this guy. That was me. So I didn't care less about sports. I wasn't good at sports. The only sport I've ever been good at, and you guys heard me talk about this before if you've become a community hope, is martial arts, um, morely because I love the karate kid, and I just had to work really, really hard at it to get good at it. Um, so I grew up only doing martial arts really and I talked a couple of weeks ago how um I got re in karate a couple uh, a couple years ago and I tested for a black belt a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago I got my black belt and it was a cool thing now I know I just thought no no, no 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 well thank you okay 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 <laughs> I'm not talking about me but thank you that was really kind of you I want to talk to you about my friend Jim here's a picture of me and Jim the day of our black belt test now if it looks like we're half dead it's because we were Um, Jim and I are part of what's called the old guy club at karate, where we have just gutted through this together. We've both been training together since about 2019, and we're the ones encouraging each other. It's us and a bunch of high schoolers and college kids who are way fitter and younger than us, and we're the guys just lumbering along in perseverance, making it happen. And uh, so here's what Jim and I did. Earlier this day, it was a grueling experience. It was the hardest physical thing I've ever done in my entire life. It was a four-hour long test. The first three hours were close to the public. I mean, they papered the windows. Everything is like, is the CIA investigating people in there? Is it a black belt test? I don't know. And so we went in. And uh, from start to finish, it was nothing but just grueling physical activity and contact. They just tried to pummel you into the ground physically in a whole variety of different ways. That Saturday, it poured rain like crazy in our area. You all were inside taking a nap. I was running wind sprints in the pouring rain in the back parking lot. It was crazy it was such a hard day but it was totally worth it well at the end of four hours what they make you do is the finisher for a black belt test at our dojo is they have everybody all stand together in a line and they say now you're at the end it's three hours and 45 minutes in you're exhausted you're dehydrated you're mentally tired you're physically tired you can't feel parts of your body and then they say here's the finish 50 burpee push-ups if you quit you fail. If you can't finish, you fail. For those of you who don't know what a burpee push-up is, it's one of the most uh, difficult cardio exercises in the world. If you're a CrossFit person, you have a love-hate relationship with burpee push-ups. I'm going to demonstrate it real quick here, before, so I don't, but I don't want to do it too much, so I don't want to get out of breath. And, and then Jesus said and then we're not going to do that. So burpee push-up is you have to jump up in the air, and you have to squat down, kick out your legs, do a push-up, Come back in, not going to lose my mic, and then jump. Ha-ha, I did it without losing it. Hey. Now, you got to do 50 of those. 50 is a workout in and of itself, let alone at the end of a four-hour grueling test. Now, um, part of me and Jim's training is we both fought through a variety of injuries. Burpees are super hard for Jim because he has tape on his wrists. Um Jim last year dislocated his wrist training for Blackfoot Test and he had to have surgery and pins put in his wrist. So anything with push-ups is exceedingly hard for my friend. And he just gutted through it. I finished a little bit quicker than him because my wrists are fine for now. <laughs> um but I then encouraged my friend Jim to finish just like he was encouraging me the rest of the day. And when he finally hit his 50 and I hit my 50, I crawled on my hands and knees over to him and he was on his hands and knees and I went to go pat him on the back and just say, good job. Jim grabbed me by the back of my neck, pulled me in, and we went forehead to forehead together like brothers. And all we said to each other over and over and over again with my teammate was, we did it. We did it. We did it. That's what koinonia feels like. It feels like with people you've trained with, people you've worked with, people you've suffered with, and when you win, that's koinonia. You can go back to we did it. We did it. Maybe you're better at sports than me. Maybe you remember winning with a team. Maybe winning a championship. Maybe winning a big game. Maybe you see people winning the Super Bowl and they're doing snow angels and confetti with their teammates. Koinonia. Maybe you're not a sports person. Maybe um, you're an academic or you're in a scientific field and you had a major breakthrough with your team in a research project or you're able to gain a huge um, total organizational shifting grant or you're able to have some sort of achievement with your group of friends or colleagues and you feel like, we did it. Koinonia partnership maybe you're somebody who's in the business world and maybe you're an entrepreneur and you're launching this business or maybe you're on your team and you hit a major revenue milestone that's going to change your family's life and your business's life and maybe you're starting your own business and you look at you finally hit a milestone or a sales milestone you go oh my gosh we're going to make it and you look at your family and your team and you say we did it Coin koinonia maybe you're like my wife leah my beautiful wife leah And her favorite way to bond with me is to do projects together at home and DIY stuff. My house is HGTV World, y'all. That's all it is. And her favorite way to bond with me isn't over a nice dinner, but over a really cool project. And the satisfaction of finishing that project together, and when you feel closer, you put your arms around each other, and you look at what you accomplished, you say, we did it, koinonia. Here's another example of it. Uh, many of you have heard me talk about my brother and my sister in law, Nina. In um, 2020, it was hard for everybody. It was really hard for my family, too. In October, Nina was diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer. And just horrible. Uh, just pain upon pain upon pain in 2020 for us. And um, praise God, she keeps getting scans and she keeps coming back clear in her scans. Praise God, right? It's awesome. Yeah. Part of their dream of coming out of her radiation and her chemo and her surgeries was they are entrepreneurs and they want to start a business and launch a restaurant and they did and it's delicious and it's awesome and it's full of hard work and sacrifice. Anybody who started anything worthwhile knows it's really hard so I don't want to paint a rosy picture like everything's awesome. No, it's hard. But it's been worth it, and it's been great. They got just put on the front cover of the magazine of their city for Dunedin Living. There's uh, my nieces, Braylon, Ashlyn, Nina. All of her hair is back. It grew back curly, y'all. Isn't that nuts? And then my brother with that awful thing on his upper lip. I can't tell if it's a fish or if he lost a bet. I don't know. It's gross. But, um, but let me tell you. Uh, first of all, thanks for praying for Nina. Don't stop, please. Um. But let me tell you, when we all put our arms around each other as a family to get through chemo and radiation and surgeries and then to chase a dream together, they open a, a restaurant that's part of her family's heritage. It's part Florida Keys, part Cuban food. It's, it's an awesome thing. And then for it to launch and it to be the toast of their town and it to be successful and for Nina to be healthy and for God to get glory through it all, we put our arms around each other and we say, we did it. Koinonia. koinonia. Now all that's awesome. You want know the difference is between koinonia just in regular life and in the church? Husband to feel like a team. We go from go back to we did it. It's we did it, but then it becomes God did it. Because the koinonia in the church is not just all of us with our hands together in on a team. It's God's hand in the huddle too. And so you not only experience the joy of friendship and intimacy and when you win as a team together, but you win with the power of God and Jesus on your team. There's nothing like it anywhere else in the entire world. This is what makes people put their arms around each other at the beach baptisms and begin to weep tears of joy watching people experience life change being dunked in the water in Jesus' name. Koinonia, us together and Jesus is in the huddle. This is what makes kids of hope in our church. We baptize a kid and they want to give their life to Jesus and the back walls are lined with their peers and their kids of hope teachers and people are crying. That's koinonia with Jesus. Jesus. This is what makes our prayer team, when they're interceding for something huge and we see a breakthrough, that's koinonia. When our food pantry teams are serving hundreds of thousands of people and reaching the hopeless in the name of Jesus and helping them get out of abject poverty and just a little something to get them through the next week, and they experience it, look what God did through us Koinonia, when our worship team, our production team, our camera guys, when we experience something transcendent in worship, we experience the presence of God together. We went, look what God did in our midst. Koinonia partnership. This is how it's meant to feel. Church is meant to feel like a team, and it's the best team. The best team. There's nothing thrilling. Like, experience real biblical partnership together in church. And when church works right and when church wins, it's the hope of the world. And when you help people find hope, and the power of Jesus is flowing through you, there's nothing like it. Yeah, praise God. So, back to my box reassembly required. If we're not careful, we treat church like this. Where church is just an exchange of religious goods and services. Now, let me just pause here. There is nothing wrong with finding a church where you connect with the preacher in his or her style, there's nothing wrong where you enjoy a worship atmosphere of a church or their, their kids' ministry fits perfectly for because There's nothing wrong with that, okay? So nobody feel bad for picking a church or finding a church or just choosing that because of needs that you have. Everyone hear me? There's nothing wrong with that. What I am trying to say is if church is only this, you're missing out. You're missing out. The lie of our culture, here's what I'm trying to get at with this metaphor. The lie of our culture and that the world is telling everybody is that joy comes from consumption. What I get. True joy comes from producing something together. Amen. So, we have a choice today. church is meant to feel like a team or does it feel like what we're ordering offline we get to pick so here's what i want you to do with everything we're talking about today three questions to ask yourself do this with god prayerfully consider these things here's question number one how do i actually view church Okay, Everybody's susceptible to this. We're all guilty of this. I've been guilty of this. I'm one of the pastors of the church, and I'm guilty of this. I had a friend call me out for this in the middle of the pandemic. They lovingly looked at me and said, you are not looking at me as a partner. I thought we were partners together in the gospel for this. I was treating people like disgruntled customers. Everybody's susceptible to this infection. How do you actually view church? Is it a team? Or is it a place where I get what I'm looking for, right? How do I view church? Here's the second thing. How can I join the team? If this is the best team in the world, how can I join the team? How can I be a part of the team? How can I get on the field? Like Pastor Dale said last week, I want to get out of the bleachers. Or I want to get on the field. Well, this is something we talk about a lot. If you, um, we say, what does it mean, this biblical idea of partnership? Well, churches historically have said you can practice this through prayers. You practice this through your presence, through your time, through sharing your talents, through your giving. This is how you become part of the team. If you want to learn how to do some of those things, we have this thing called the shape survey. You learn about your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your passions, and your experience for how that all might help the team. So if you haven't done this yet, if you don't know where to start, some of you, you're going to feel like I was on the team. COVID had me back off the team. I need to get back on the team. You know exactly what God's telling you to do. For those of you who don't know what to do yet, Scan that on your QR code right now. Go ahead and pull out your phone. I'm going to hold up for a second. It'll take you right to the shape profile. Go fill it out. It will help you and help us help you find a way to be on the team. Ask yourself, how's God calling me to be a part of a team that I might experience Coinonia partnership? And here's the last one. Here's the last one. And have I become a CUH partner? Now, again, this whole thing is about really the biblical concept of koinonia and why it's awesome. This isn't an announcement, but this would be our, how do I say this? our best attempt to help people experience koinonia and onboard them onto the team of our church is actually through our partnership program and through our connections class that people take. Many of you have already been a part of it. Great. There are some of you who have been on the fence for a while and you've been waiting, and there's some of you, this is the first time you've ever heard of it. Consider signing up now. Our next one's going to be in the fall. You can go to this link here, communityofhope.church slash partnership, and you can pre-register for our next course that's going to be here in Loxahatchee. If you're online, you can join in via Zoom. That's going to be sometime in the fall, August or September, getting the dates, but you can pre-register for that here. I want you to hear me loud and clear. For some of you, this is an announcement. For some of you, this is the most spiritual thing you could do Today. Is to sign up for something like that. Make sense? So hear my heart. Church is meant to feel like a team. Don't settle for this, for recycled cardboard of church. Get on the team. There's nothing better in the whole world when you experience God changing somebody's life through your life. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the church. Oftentimes, we look at this institution that you created and this movement that you started and for the ways where it's been broken in our own lives, in our own time, and even across the centuries, we scratch our heads. But that's because we're looking at a version that isn't necessarily what you dreamt. The version of church that you dreamt of is exciting and exciting. And, uh, invigorating. It's the hope of the world. And there's nothing more fulfilling than being on that team, achieving that purpose that you've given to it. There's nothing better, Lord. It's everything that our hearts have longed for. And so, Jesus, I thank you for starting the church. I found hope and eternal life through your church. Capital C, not just Community of Hope. We thank you for it. Lord, we ask you to heal us for the ways that our culture and the world has tried to shape everything into consumerism and what we get would you heal us of that and restore us a vision that is what you dreamt it to be that we would get to be on an eternal team with you having eternal wins that bring eternal joy lord we love you it's in your name we pray and all god's people said Amen. amen